one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. center of the galaxy this is a force center podcast feed i'm ken Napsuck, along with my wonderful co-pilot on this show 
uh, Force Center, which of course is the main show, as we've started to call the Super Star Destroyer Star Wars Discussion. Force Center, uh, Joseph Scrimshaw, you're here. I am here. I'm we're, happy to be on the Star Destroyer. We're back. Yeah. We're on the bridge. <laughs> we're caught now. Do you see yourself as a as an Ozzel or a Piet or a Tag or a Moti? Uh, I think uh, Piet is the way to go. He yeah. was the smartest and stayed alive the longest. <laughs> he has the honor of actually being killed by the rebellion <laughs> instead of his boss. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I want to be killed by the enemy, <laughs> not out of incompetence. Um, that's, you know, and it's just so funny. We're off track already on the Force <laughs> Center. Piet is always, I've always had this level of respect for Piet and Veers because they seem to know the game well enough. Yes. They seem to understand what Vader wants and when to get out of Vader's way. Yeah. And Ozzel, pure arrogance. Yeah, just bumbling idiot. Bumbling idiot. We should just do an entire show based on the uh, Imperial officers and their <laughs> their journeys. Yeah. Um, but this is Force Center. This is the main show here on the podcast feed, uh, like I told you. I hope you're following along at Force Center Pod. Uh, on today's show, uh, we are going to be taking some of your questions from Twitter. we got a great discussion on why we want things to be canon and uh, just general Star Wars discussion as we uh, kind of... Uh, Develop the show on the go. Like I said, Joseph and I started the Force Center podcast feed, which is a series of Star Wars shows. And this was the this is the anchor. This is the sports center, if you will. Thus the name. <laughs> um, but we are finding that we are now having um, more time and focus to develop the show. And I hope you guys join us for that adventure as new fun segments uh, come into the show. In the last episode of Force Center with Jennifer Landa on. We, of course, introduced the uh, Finish the Fan Fiction. It's a fun segment, which we'll be back today. But, Joseph, we're starting off talking. Uh, uh, what are we talking about? I wanted to talk about why we care about canon. Uh, yeah. And I think I want to talk about it to get uh, your feedback, your thoughts. Uh, you're always insightful. Mm-hmm. And also, I think I just need a little bit of Star Wars therapy. <laughs> I think I'm going to be talking out loud. I'm on the Star Wars couch talking to you and myself and all the people listening about wow. why do I care? Whether or not things are canon. It's a daunting task for me, Joseph, because usually I'm on the couch (laughs) and you do a great job of counseling me through why I might not have liked Han Solo's death or all that kind of stuff. So, so, all right, I'm up to the challenge, I hope. Uh, Canon, it's interesting because canon, the word and what it means, well, it's been around for a very long time. But in the realm of the nerd world and the, and the geek and passion world, um, it's grown in popularity and in use uh, to me over the last 10 years, if I'm wrong, yeah. correct me. Yeah. Um, but growing up as a Star Wars fan, I can, unless my experience was unique, never thought of it like this. Nope. It was not a thing. Nope. If it said Star Wars on it, it counted to me. Yeah, yeah. You, if you read on the back of an action figure that uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader had a fight on a lava planet, like, wow, that's amazing. They did. Right. If you got an old comic book and there was a giant green rabbit, okay, weird, but I'm rolling with that. That's Star Wars. I remember going to the library in Arroyo Grande, California, and checking out a series of Lando Calrissian adventure books. And being so excited, because again, if you know me, you know I was a fan of Lando uh, coming out of the movies. And that book, I, I just remember, I'm curious, I should probably try to read it now or at least look it up online. Yeah. See there, but I remember as a kid, 10 years old, 9, 10 years old, going, this doesn't seem like Star Wars. No. 
No, not at all. And I, I mean, I know a lot of people like those old Han Solo novels, but as a kid, I've never tried to write, uh, read them as an adult, but as a kid, they were, they felt dry and they weren't, they didn't feel Star Warsy. Right. Um, Absolutely. But this idea of canon is fascinating to me. Like, like you said, it, it's grown from my perspective. It really exploded in comic books when comic books started to do all of the big crisis events where they would redefine mm the universe that all the heroes lived in. And then you'd start talking about, well, is it canon that Batman had this adventure with Robin or what is Robin's, what's Dick Grayson's real origin story now. And that to me was when it first became popular. And then I think in the last 10 years is Marvel Mm -hmm. uh, has become popular. That idea in movie and TV shows has become even bigger. Uh, And it's weird to see that come around to star Wars, that star Wars had become just as big of a mess yeah. as DC or Marvel once was, that it needed to do this new canon. Yeah. Uh, and I think, like, in, in the early 2000s, when I was reading books, I kind of had the, like, eh, maybe that's not real. Because that's, right. that's nuts. What? That's okay. crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. That's yeah. fine. I can decide for myself whether or not that's real. But I think the main thing is I find myself annoyed when I hear other fans talking with uh, in a very definitive way about, like, here's the truth of what happened to this cantina alien. And I yell in my mind and sometimes out loud to my shame, <laughs> but that's not canon. <laughs> we got that a lot on Jedi Alliance. Maude and I in the first incantation of that show. And, and, and uh, now you with going on with Jedi Alliance um, where, yeah, you, you get some people really no, that's not what happened to Max Rebo. And, the only right response is, no, you're wrong. <laughs> that didn't happen anymore. And yeah, it yeah. did happen on paper. It doesn't take the joy away of it. Uh, Darth Plagueis is one of my favorite books. Uh, Labyrinth of Evil is a great book. Uh, the, the series that Lucina wrote, uh, and I, there's another author, uh, author, I believe, that's around Revenge of the Sith. There's some great stuff that yeah. no longer counts, but I'll still recognize it as great, including the Old Republic stuff. I'm, I've just... Really haven't dived in as much as I want to into Drew Carpetian's book, uh, book series uh, about uh, Bane and everything, but they're great. Yeah. But they don't count. Yeah, and I think it's things like uh, like the Old Republic stuff, which I haven't read. I, like, I've read up on, but I haven't actually read myself. But they inform your understanding of the movies. They inform, like, this is the history of the Sith. This is mm-hmm. why they made those choices. Mm-hmm. And I think that is part of what bugs me of, like, as I'm going through my day, it's a joy for me to just think through Star Wars and think through why did these characters make these choices? What choices might they make in the future? And it almost feels like a a Jenga tower (laughs) of thought and speculation. And some of those bottom parts of the Jenga get pulled out. out. You know, and we make jokes about, you know, Jackson the Rabbit or Lando's crappy space adventures. Uh, And 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 that's a discussion of like, well, you, you can still enjoy that even though it's not canon. But I'm more interested in the idea of I want to know what canon is so I am having the correct adventures in my own mind. And and why that is important as a fan. Yeah. I I sometimes still struggle as to why I care as much. Um, How I'm struggling now is with the new Marvel stuff, the Star Wars Marvel stuff. There's been some overall some great stuff. I've... I've had the chance to meet Jordan D. White. He's like the, the head editor on it. And I've shook his hand and said, you guys are doing great things. Uh, Heather Antos is also his associate editor. Uh, they're doing great things with that Lucasfilm story group. Overall, I praise it. Overall, I'm 
glad that when I go to my comic shop every week or every other week, I got I got six Star Wars comics yeah. to pick up some days. Uh, but there's some stuff in there that I know is canon <laughs> because it is now official. We now are very aware that's canon, but I can't accept it because I don't think it fits. And I totally respect that the writers and the editors are taking some risks. Yeah. That's why I'm 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 prefacing my comments by saying their names personally and how much I enjoy what they're yeah. doing and how much I'm thankful that every Saturday when I go to my shop, <laughs> I got their adventures to read. But I just don't accept that the Emperor had a bunch of cyborgs waiting to fight Vader and that one of them was a Mon Calamari with General Grievous's body type. I don't, I don't, it doesn't seem like Star Wars to me. There's a the new series, Obi-Wan and Anakin. Great concept for a series. The first two issues are very good, but they go to this planet we've never heard of, and there's these giant Zeppelin-like balloons as the spaceships, and I'm like, I don't believe this is in Star Wars. But then I ask myself, why does it matter to me? And right. I know that's what we're trying to answer here today, Joseph, but I'm thinking aloud, too. I don't know why it matters. Uh, th th that helps me separate it out, because I think there are like fundamental story building blocks. There are things like, why did the Sith adopt the rule of two? Or... Did Plagueis mm -hmm. use the Force to create Anakin? Those are like big story points that affect the mythology. Right. Then canon the other, that matters. Canon that matters. And then on the other hand, you just have aesthetics. Yeah. And you know that Star Wars is a weird place where there are fish people called Mon Calamari. And they're called Mon Calamari. It's not subtle at all. But <laughs> which, then, Which, by the way, if if... If that had been created in a comic book before Jedi, I'd be like, that's not in Star you, Wars. You, why did you let a writer do that? <laughs> yeah. How did you guys? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's that aesthetic of just like, you know what? I'm okay with uh, Green Rabbits, but Zeppelins, no. Screw you. That's right. too far aesthetically. It's like, why am I okay with Darth Vader being a cyborg? Yeah. Essentially. But me not thinking that the Emperor had six more. Yeah. But I can see from a story point of group view story group point of view, them going, hey, if the Emperor had one, wouldn't he have had six more? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. So that's why I give them credit for doing it and trying it. But as a fan, I don't know. And it goes to my own expectations. Am I really a humanoidist where I only want humanoids <laughs> in the Star Wars galaxy? Is that who I yeah. am as a person? Yeah. I struggle with that. I don't know why. I, and this, I love that we get to figure this out as we go along. And I'm trying. Am I, I think I'm not helping you. I think I'm hurting you more. No, no, you're, you're helping because you're helping me separate out the aesthetic from yeah. the core values, the core canon values. Um, and I, I think the aesthetics are a challenge of the comic books even more than the novels. Mm -hmm. And this might be uh, some of my canon issue is coming from reading these novels, and yeah. uh, I've read a lot of them and. Yeah. I feel like there is such unity in all of the novels that I've read. Uh, I've read uh, Lords of the Sith, and uh, I've read all of the uh, Before the Awakening and all of the you know, younger adventures. Mm -hmm. And they're all uh, aftermath, even though I think it has some problems. It's still, it's thematically well-connected to yeah. what's going on in The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. And there, there's such uh, uh, unity yeah. That makes me feel like they know what they're doing. So then it, it does seem kind of weird and wild that the comic books are kind of have free reign to go a little nutty. Which, and again, it would make sense that the comics could do that. The yeah. Chewbacca series is sweet and it's heartwarming and it's not my favorite, but there's got some great moments in it. But again, there's some stuff. There's a, a villain that has like a fishbowl on his head. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, and then uh, again, I. I 
I'm not criticizing the creative choices of the creative team because it's awesome. I get a Chewy comic every week, but it's a short run series. But but I get why the comics can go go out there where the books kind of fail at times. Sometimes, as I feel they ha- they I think the mandate certainly not the individual authors, but the mandate coming down was it's almost like the the novels are very aware that they're establishing new canon. Yes. So they feel very aware that they must answer everything. And that everything is important and everything – and we as fans are looking through lines. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What did the emperor mean by that? Yeah. And that sometimes is distracted. And then, then as a fan – I mean this is inside the Star Wars nerd bubble discussion. As a fan, I'm reading some of these books going, so that's the answer they went with? I don't know if I would have gone with that. Then I'm off and I get so sidetracked because I care about canon. Yeah. Like Tarkin. I finally read Tarkin. Yeah. And overall, Tarkin is like, it's a fun picture of who Tarkin is, but yeah. uh, but you also spend uh, some time with Vader and some time with the Emperor, and it's it's a fun adventure mm-hmm. that fills in some gaps. And then every once in a while, there's like one or two lines that are just this massive core building block of Star Wars official canon drop of like, there's the, the part, you can tell I'm excited because I've gone to high <laughs> register. <laughs> there is the part where the Emperor, you're inside his head and he just casually drops like, oh yeah, I really need a strong Sith apprentice because uh, it's great that I'm running the galaxy, but what I really want to do is explore the truth of the dark side through all of these dark experiments and I really need uh, a partner who's incredibly strong in the dark side in order to help me with that. So like, right. that's one sentence that explains the basically utterly unexplained relationship right. of Palpatine and Vader. It explains why Palpatine, once he controls the whole galaxy, would want to trade in Vader for the more powerful, younger Luke Skywalker. Right. So it makes all of Return of the Jedi make sense right. in one sentence. Mm, and yeah. it's just so weird to have these novels that's like, this is, eh, it's, it's about Tarkin. It's about a minor character. But within that, there's like two sentences that tie together half of Star Wars for me. <laughs> and that's, and that's, that gets me excited and why we should care about canon. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely why it's important in this universe. And, and uh, I'm trying to, I mean, there's, there's, uh, I, you know, maybe where some of Aftermath, uh, I don't want, failed's not the word I want to use. You know what I mean? Fell short. Yeah. Is the phrase. Um, is, is again, I always say, well, one thing was marketed as the compl- sequel to Return of the Jedi in a sense, and there was no Han, Luke, or Leia in any ma- major form, but, but it also, it didn't, it, it created more questions than it answered. And so then, right. uh, you, you now we're, it's like now we're still defining the canon of after Jedi, which is cool. And that's not Wendig's fault. Uh, and I think he did a great job of explaining the universe scattered throughout the galaxy. But, but uh, I'm, I'm now I'm looking for things like that. I'm yeah. looking at what you just described in Tarkin. I'm in every book. I'm like, what? What's the weight and implication of this? Yeah, you know, and, and, reading Lost Stars was great, which is one of my favorites, Claudia yep. Gray's book. But there was even some moments there. I'm like, I don't know if I needed these two characters to be in every scene, like Forrest Gump, right? So, it, it, so I, I cannot maybe, I mean, I accept it. Again, it's canon, but it's like, <laughs> I don't know if they were there on Bestman. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that uh, uh, part of the weird thing about the uh, trying to accept all of the canon is deciding the parts that you like and you don't like. So you, you read right. something that you really like and say, okay, well, I can... I'm excited to read this because it makes something make sense. But then how do you cope with it when it's something that's like either doesn't make sense or distracts you? Like when oh, I'm going to be watching Empire Strikes Back and now I'm going to imagine uh, Sienna's pain as Han kills those TIE yeah. fighter pilots. 
And yeah. like, do you want to think about that? Do you want to have to think about that? You have no choice. It's canon. <laughs> like, I, I haven't watched uh, New Hope since I read Lost Stars, but I, I, I want to do that because now knowing that, like, Sienna was right right off camera when those guys are like, oh, it's, just a, it's just an escape pod, must have malfunctioned. Like, knowing that she was there, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But then again, yeah, if it's done, if you don't accept it, like, I, 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 I really care over overwhelmingly care whether or not they were there on Bespin, but but yeah, yeah, then it, it just, your head starts to spin. My head's spinning now talking about it. Uh, there's so much now. Yeah, and I think so that's, the, part of it is the too much, because I didn't have as many problems with Aftermath as other people did. Me, me too. But I think m- my main problem with it was it was just too much. I liked all of the new characters he introduces, our little core that I hope is going to go through the trilogy of books. Yeah. I thought they were interesting. I thought their backstories made sense. I liked the relationships. Uh, and then I was intrigued by this idea of interludes that show us how the galaxy works. But they were so obviously not just how the galaxy works. They weren't the broad strokes. They were the fine details of, and I felt like canon overload of like, I want to figure out what each thing means. I want to memorize everything. And I... It, 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 I didn't read a novel. I had a dictionary yeah. of stuff I kind of knew that I needed to memorize, which is my own problem. It's, we're again, we're deep in the Star Wars nerd bubble here, but yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, and it, it it hurts the comics for me, straight, straight, yeah. straight up. I can say that. Um, as much as I enjoy them and, and spend a lot of money on them every week, um, I'm less interested in the Vader comic now because I just think it's gone directions. I, I just. I didn't think I don't think that happened. I don't need to know that that happened, and I'd rather it stay on the original course. I know comics do that; they don't do that. There's different arcs and everything. Yeah. I understand how comics work, but <laughs> uh, when the Vader series started, I guess it was originally going to be a short series as well. Like pretty much all of them were going to be five issue type series, and the Vader one was so well, did so well that they just they've continued it and they're okay. not stopping it. The Vader down arc's been great, everything, but even stuff within the Vader the Vader down arc. I raise my eyebrows up. So I, I, and that's again, that's me. Not this isn't the Vader I know. <laughs> not my Vader. And so maybe part of it is, and I could go back because I was reading the, um, the the Dark Horse series. Uh, Brian Wood was writing the Star Wars series uh, right before Lucasfilm pulled the plug. Pulled the plug. Okay. And it was great, and the, but there was some weird stuff in there too. I didn't have the problem with it though. Yeah, because in the back of my head, I was like, "Well, this is who knows if this is canon or not. This is just a this is a what if interpretation of the yeah. story in some author's view, and it was done very well at times. So I didn't have the problem like I do now, and I think that's unfair to the the comic book authors or the book authors and even the editorial team. Where now, if it's there, it's there. Yeah, well, and I I wonder if they have a different uh, different guidelines for the comic book in the novels, the comic books in the novels, because I think the novels are powerful because those broad strokes match. Yeah, they're very very clearly a story about this isn't just good and evil. This is a story of of gray. This is a story of generation after generation fighting these wars and trying to find balance in the force, whatever that means. Right. And then also, they've been painting really firmly in Lost Stars and Aftermath, uh, this story of just, there are all these normal people in the galaxy who just want to have a normal life 
they just want to have a job and make right. their product and sell it to other people. And then these wars come through again and again and disrupt yeah. everything. Those dastardly rebels. Yeah, or and now the dastardly resistance in the yeah. First Order, and they're going to go through that whole cycle of pain again. So, And it's great for novels because you're spending so much time in people's heads, and it is uh, more powerful to read on the page uh, various mm-hmm. messages of gray rather than just good guys, bad guys. Right. Uh, but they feel very unified because they feel like they have a thematic goal. And even uh, all of the different discussions of the dark side all have rhythm of like, oh, mm-hmm. that is what the dark side is. That's how it works right. uh and then the maybe the comic books because so much of it is just information is just an image on the page it f- maybe just feels a little bit more bonkers right it, it, yeah you're right if Sena solo had been introduced in a novel i think there wouldn't have been a, as much hubbub yeah um and you know spoiler alert if you haven't read that star wars comic series a woman shows up named Santa Solo, claiming to be Han Solo's wife. That's all I'll really go into it. I'm sure most of you have been who are listening have read the comic and know how it, how that storyline's going. But that moment where she pops out of the ship at the end and she's like, "I'm Santa Solo," his wife blew up the Star Wars nerdverse. Yeah, and people <laughs> in, in many ways, and even I was angry about it because if if that statement was true, then Han was a, a cheating son of a bitch in a yeah. new hope. And yeah, he's a scoundrel and a scum, but I, I just can't accept him being that kind of guy, cheat on his wife yeah. with a young princess. He has a heart of gold. Yeah, like, and so it's, it's, it's maybe not that, it's not as open as that, but if it had come out in a novel, it's like you would have accepted it in a little different way with a little more intelligent and thought. <laughs> you know, in the comics, it's just, it is kind of, um, it's pulp. Pulp yeah, fiction. and that's a huge part of what Star Wars is and what its attraction is. So there should yeah. be that. I think maybe for me, I I uh, am torn because I like the direction the novels are going with canon. Yeah, it makes me super uh, feel like the story group has big picture ideas Definitely. that we are going to paint. But then also just knowing there's this much content, there's no way that it is gonna stay on the rails. And this is a thing designed to make money. So eventually, if Vader's selling, and they're out of reasonable thematic stories to tell about Vader, then Vader's going to go kill a planet full of Jackson the Green Bunnies because we need another comic book issue. Yeah, I do worry about that kind of thing. Yeah. And not that specifically Jackson's going to show up. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, I hope I didn't cut you off. No, there, no, but, no. But you're right, you're right. Um, the, the, the Leia series, the five-issue run there, uh, wasn't misfired a little bit for me, but introduced some great stuff. And yeah. Then, it took on the idea of explaining who Princess Leia at the end of New Hope or through New Hope was. And the running joke we have Star Wars fans have had for a while of, you know, Alderaan blows up and Leia barely cares. And this comic set out to answer that specifically, directly head on with that. Yeah. Saying the words, a character saying, looking up at Princess Leia, why doesn't she care? Entire planet, her family, everyone's gone. So it, it had a big task, but then it gets weirdly sidetracked, and Neen Num shows up. I love Neen Num, but I didn't understand what he was doing there. And then I'm just off in the wilderness of of canon thought, and and um, I think and again in a book it would have been presented a little different there. I, I don't know. I feel I'm talking around in circles because I'm trying to understand it myself. Why it matters to me that Neen Num was there with Princess Leia or not. Because clearly it does, because I yeah. have an emotional reaction. Well, let me ask you this. when uh, so, so Leia and Neen Nub are, are fast pals in Leia's uh, young adult novel yeah. in that series, uh, Moving Target. 
Okay, yeah, that's um, right. And, and Neen Nub is just flooded with character. He right. is kind of like this, uh, he's sort of a fun uncle character, a little bit of a rogue, big drinker, <laughs> really, really knows what's going on, knows Leia well. I've got to read this book. Uh, so it's great fun. But then you watch like, oh, and Neen Nub's going to be in The Force Awakens, just like, there's the there's there's nothing there and like and it's not like I wanted a whole Force Awakens scene where Ninub you know counsels Leia while doing shots, <laughs> but I, it's weird I, to be I introduced. Yeah, that, I mean it'd be great a bonus scene for sure. Yeah, but it's weird to be introduced to all of that depth and then not even see a sparkle of it on screen. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Like thinking even Snap Wexley, like uh, yeah, that character, which is actually pretty big in aftermath. I mean, that's Huge. I, I call that the main character, yeah. pretty much, and um, uh, almost a throwaway character in the Force Awakens. Well, yeah. the first time I saw it, I didn't know. I didn't connect. My brain didn't connect. Oh, Snap's reconnaissance. Like, oh, that's Snap Temin Wexley. Um, and then the second viewing, once I learned it, oh, I love the character a yeah. little bit more. You know, again, once you find that's what I love about the Star Wars, and it's not just that it's canon, but I love that that now I know Jess Tester Pava is the female pilot there, and has a, and now I can invest in that character. But but uh, that's some of the this buildup where yeah, you and I and everyone out there combing every sentence. <laughs> How does this? Because because they said too when all this started hitting, they said. There are stuff, there are clues, there are hints, there are things about The Force Awakens and all of these things if you're looking for it. Uh-huh. And they said that, and so what do you think I'm going to be doing? I'm looking for it. Every right. panel of every comic, every line of every <laughs> novel. Uh, and the bigger question is then, maybe, Joseph, is why do idiots like me, I'm not going to put you in the category. <laughs> put, so put, put me in the old idiot uh, category. But why, why do idiots like us feel that we need to know every scrap of canon? Does that really make our fandom better? Is it, mm. is it, a, is it, I know more than you thing? I don't think it is. I'm happy to learn new things. Yeah. You taught me a new thing in a recent episode of Databank Brawl. Yeah. And I, I try not, I, I try not to ever care about, oh, did somebody know more than me? Cause like, who cares? That's just schoolyard I, BS. Like, absolutely. It's, it's, it's fun to, you know, to have, have games out of it and have quiz shows and, sure. and j- joke around about who knows more. But when you get right down to it, like life's too short for me to care that yeah. you know more about Neen Nub than I do. Yeah. Uh, uh, but for me, I think I have internalized something where I personally value that in myself that I know all of these little Star Wars facts. And it's like, it's not that I'm bummed that somebody might beat me at trivia. It feels alienating to not know the Star Wars thing. I felt alienated. Uh, a part of my mind felt alienated when I watched The Force Awakens the first time. And like, they said it too fast. What were the monsters on the ship? <laughs> oh, Rathars, Rathars, Rathars. And, like, and I went home and I tried to memorize because I think, <laughs> you know, maybe it has to do with this. Uh, th- this is a quick little <laughs> sidetrack, but I just did uh, a couple of weeks ago, I-, I was at Gallifrey One, the Doctor Who convention, and I did an hour of stand-up about Doctor Who and about my relationship with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same thing about Doctor Who of like, I can't, uh, I watch it religiously i love it but i can't stay on top of all of the facts like right. other people can and when i was a kid the fact that i could name every actor who played the doctor was shameful mm-hmm. and now yeah. i think as an adult i'm like well now i'm ashamed to not know enough so i yeah. just can't get away from my shame you can't get away from shame <laughs> shame um which is another series i must know everything about uh, I, we had the same reaction i'm sure we're not the only two in the universe so when i the first time and i'm at this press screening watching force awakens Nervous because, oh, I hope they do it well. Yeah. Um, and just trying to enjoy it as a fan. Surreal. I actually remember the chills 
came up uh, me going like, I can't believe this is happening. This is happening. I'm finally seeing this. And then I quickly went into, uh, what's that character's name? What does that mean? Who's name? What now? Yeah. Who's it? Um, so what's that called? Yeah. Yeah. Wh- uh, yeah. What's this? What's that? Who? I don't. I don't know. Unkar Plut or Plot? I don't know. And it upset me that I didn't. And it was this strange new world for the first time since you know, really Revenge of the Sith, the Clone Wars cartoons. It's easier, smaller, bite sized. You can. You can. Oh, okay, that's Clemson Dula. All right. Well, we'll learn who that is. Yeah. But we were sitting there in the movie. And I felt as though I couldn't enjoy the story if I didn't know this as much. Yeah. I, and that's, again, that's on me as a fan. You, oh, you know what? This is, this is helping me. Good. I think that a part of it is if you know every little corner and you're watching the movie, you feel more like you're inside of it. Because the way yeah. Star Wars presents information is, yeah. I- unless it's uh, Rick O'Lee, who's just you know burping exposition and a few bad lines in the prequels, a few bad lines and prequels are heavy-handed with exposition. Other than that, moisture evaporator. You know what that means. And we say it like yeah. you know what that means because it makes the galaxy feel lived in. Right. And The Force Awakens really embraced that. They said Unkar Plot like everybody should know who Unkar Plot right. is. They said Rathars like everybody should know. So I think maybe we felt a little bit like, I'm only watching it. I'm yeah. not inside it. It might have been. Yeah, absolutely. When, when you know, Conja Club shows up and... Guavian Death Squad or whatever, you're like, okay. Like, I literally at that point was like, take note of this. Yes. <laughs> in my brain. Like, yeah. And that, that might come from reading uh, the Game of Thrones series, Song of Ice and Fire, literally on some occasions, having a notepad with me. Well, you gotta, right? I mean, I've never, I've never read Game of Thrones, but the whole first season is like, screw you, keep up. Yeah. I'm like, nope, can't. And, can't. you know, there's that great meme of like, here are the characters' names. It's Creepy Uncle, <laughs> Sword Guy, you know, like you can't Absolutely. You can't keep track of it all. I have that when I'm reading the Star Wars books where mm-hmm. they are, the new canon ones are all really good about saying the characters' species. Yeah. And a lot of times it's like, oh, great. Yeah, of course I know exactly uh, what a Twi'lek looks like. Right. Um, and now I know what their head tails are called, you know. Right. Uh, but a lot of times they'll... Liku. Liku, Liku, yes. Liku, Liku, uh, L-E-K-K-U. Uh, but then other other speeches will be named and like, I think I know, but I don't know. And I also want to picture it, but it stops me from reading the story because then I like stop and open up my phone. I have a giant problem uh, remembering what Darth Maul's species is. Well, that's very confusing. It's a Zabrik, right? He's a Zabrik, right. And then, but he's also from Dathomir. Dathomir. And then there's another race in the mix that I'm spacing well, right now. Um, Ahsoka's species is a little different. She's a Togruto. Togruta, right. yeah. So I sometimes am like, is she a Zabrik? No. Is she a Tor- And I just walk off. <laughs> you just shake your head shame. and go away. <laughs> I go, he's a Darth Maul. He's a Darth Maul. So yeah. it gets, yeah, but then it takes me out of it. So I'll see in a novel... Uh, I'll see, uh, he is a, uh, child Zabrik or whatever, you know, yeah. juvenile Zabrik. And I'll be thinking in my head, like, wait a minute, is that, is that the Ahsoka one or the mall one? <laughs> so I have to go look it up. Yeah. And it's this weird obsession. I yeah. don't. I, it's bothering me right now that I can't remember the other species that complicates matters with Darth Maul. They even make a bit of it on Clone Wars. I was rewatching one yeah. of the episodes where Darth Maul, uh, comes back and yeah. Obi-Wan even, says it's very confusing when he's explaining <laughs> the, the progeny of darth maul um, yeah 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, and then you introduce the Night Sisters in the realm, and like, you know, I'm just lost my brain on what it is. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's it is definitely, and it and it's just where we are in the times now in the entertainment world, being tr- so driven by nerd properties, right? Um, and I'm saying nerd, referring to the '80s term in which I was, uh, you know, harassed for loving Star Wars. Um, we're the ones in charge now, so it's so driven, and it is a bit of a currency. If, yes, uh, and you're right. Like I, I don't like to. I do know a lot about Star Wars. Yeah, but I don't ever hold that over anyone because yeah. why would you? Because it yeah. takes away your enjoyment. But uh, it it does it does actually serve functional uh, purpose. Like uh, mm-hmm. Screen Junkies has a bunch of great shows that yeah. you work for that that are based on. You should have a decent amount of knowledge and be able to wield it. Yeah. So it has some actual capital of like, hey, I want to do I want to do good on this fun entertainment show. It does now. That yeah. I really need to know everything. I mean, could you imagine you and I are in the same age group, Joseph? Could you imagine if you go back to nineteen ninety two three, I graduated high school in ninety four, but if you go back to that time and tell me, Hey, all this stuff pays off later, kid. <laughs> yes. All those lonely nights where everyone's at the football game and uh, making out with cheerleaders, and you're at home studying uh, Douglas Adams books, <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know drinking that Pan Galactic Gargle Blaster. <laughs> <laughs> it would pay off, kid. So these are great times. So these are good problems to have as, a, as an adult nerd. Um, it just it's just sometimes I want to turn it off and enjoy. Yeah, and then at the same time, it's like, oh, did you? <gasps> Buy every one of those Cantina short stories and memorize the backstory of every alien in the Cantina? Well, you're full of crap now. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's not, none of that has anything to do with anything. And again, I go. Lando did not introduce Luke Skywalker to hot chocolate. Now that's, that's gone. Now that, sir, I'll have, I'll have you know I accept that as truth. <laughs> I, I, that will never be canon. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, but again, yeah, there's a lot. I've, I've said it before. Like, there's a lot of things in old canon that I am so glad are gone. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was okay with it. It makes perfect sense. But again, they had to. Disney, Lucasfilm, and all the bigwigs, it's weird that they they knew that they had to take control of their own canon. Right. And it's so weird that a corporation had to gather a bunch of their employees and say, you are now in charge of what is actually real or not within our franchise. Yeah. That's mind-blowing. Yeah, that's a statement that it does have value yeah. from, from their perspective. Um, that they can sell so. things, is that things have more value if they're canon. And I think that's not only a value of storytelling, I think it has some amount of uh, financial motivation of, this yes. is official. Yes. This is for, if you spend long, lonely nights memorizing this book, it'll never let you down in a trivia contest. Yes. <laughs> um, at Star Wars Celebration last year in Anaheim, I mean, I was one of the first to race out and buy the new uh, visual encyclopedia. Yeah. The one that was, this is the canon one, because I had the Steve Sansuite three volumes where there's characters that appeared in one panel in a 1979 Marvel edition of Star Wars. Um, so to actually cut through the core of that, I was excited. Yeah. And I did not go out to a party that night. I went back to my hotel room <laughs> and looked at the book. And you studied. Yeah, and I think a lot of us have kind of raced as The Force Awakens uh, came out to get the visual dictionary and to, to memorize yeah. all the different things. Um, and it really excites me to know what is and is not canon. I'm, I'm happy that they did the wipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only because there's some stuff I didn't like in Legends, there's some great stuff in Legends, uh, yeah. but I think all of it, not all of it felt like Star Wars. Yeah. So I think my great hope is that things are 
thematically linked. So you just don't you don't have stories packed into too tight of a space. Mm-hmm. Where we well, Darth Vader in between Empire and Jedi, he's got to be obsessed with Luke. That's got to be the main thing yeah. on his mind. Yeah. That's what canon should be because it's true to the character. Like, got this great story group to defend that. Hopefully, it stays that way. But then I think also maybe there is a sense of if I invest in this knowledge, that's knowledge for life. <laughs> and that's all we want. <laughs> Star Wars knowledge for life. That's right. Uh, well, great discussion on canon there, Joseph. I don't know if we'll ever know the answer yes. of why we must know what R5-D4 is or, um, you know, Nina's favorite drink. But uh, it is there. It is there. It's a discussion I'm sure we'll come back to time and time again did i help you at all yes you did you helped me think through. as always you helped me excellent that's what we try to do here on force <laughs> center um but now we're gonna go take some questions from fans are you ready for that you want to do that let's yeah, uh, let's do it let's do it there here on force center we we um so i'm trying to we're doing this here uh let's let's take this question um Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, okay, this is a good question from Taylor Elrich at Taylor Elrich. He asks us, Joseph, uh, how long of a gap would you guys want between 9 and 10 story-wise and real-time? Ooh. That's uh, a good question, Taylor. Yeah, Thanks. yeah. Real-time, I'm down with two years. Two years is great. Um I think, you know, it's it's too bad just as a Star Wars fan that Episode Eight got bumped back, but I think it is great from a taking time with the story perspective. I think it's great from a let's have uh, holiday times be Star Wars times. So I'm happy if it's it's two years in real time. Okay. Uh, in terms of the time in in story, the canon time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it always matters. I do. I want there to be some space, knowing that, there uh that disney is a giant company that wants to make money we are fans who love star wars we want to give them money for stories i want them to build smart Mm -hmm. so i want them to leave lots of different kinds of stories that could be told so you know whatever is going on with uh ray and finn and poe it would be great if it ended in a way that suggests poe's gonna have 800 different kind of adventures right between nine and ten now here's his main thing that he's got to take care of in 10. Right. But there's, it's really suggested that there's a wide open field. I like that. I like that a lot. I, I could use a little break between the trilogies in real time. You said two years. That's fair. Uh, but if they, if they said they won't, but if they said three to four, even five years between nine and 10, I'd be okay with it. Yeah. I know there's going to be stuff in the middle. Only reason, selfishly, is because this was amazing fun. Yeah. To build up to episode seven, it was beyond from Sith to now. This was going back to 1983. We've yeah. been waiting for this. So to have that anticipation, that build up, there was something I remember thinking coming out of or going into as I drove to the screening, screaming, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, <laughs> to myself, not even lying, folks. Uh, so giddy as a schoolboy, and in the back of my head knowing it will never feel like this again. Because we're going to get so many of them. Yeah. I wouldn't mind two years without nothing new. Um, Again, it's not going to happen. Yeah. I don't think it is. But I'd like a little bit of anticipation to build up between nine and the next saga trilogy. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. And especially if they do go into television series, it would be fine with me if there was a television series that was really well produced and maybe maybe we go four or five years. Um, I could accept that. I just don't think we're going to ever go a generation right. of 10 or 15 years again. Uh, no, I don't think so. Story-wise, uh, I, I, I'm on board with you. Uh, you know, it doesn't need to be, I don't need the giant gap. Uh, I want the same kind of, you know, if, again, if Poe and Ray and, and Ren or Boyega, uh, Finn uh, are in 10, I totally can accept it. If they start to pass the baton off to a next generation, yeah. I can accept that. Um, we'll see. The part of that depends, too, on where the story's going to go, where 9 yeah. ends. Well, we need some time to, uh, story-wise, to recover from the events. Yeah. Yeah, because I suppose it is either give the time to let those actors get much older yeah. or jump a big jump in the future. Right. 
Dane Owens has a great question here, Joseph. He says, uh, uh, at Owen Danes, this is his Twitter handle, says, what capacity do you want Force Ghosts involved in the new trilogy? Uh, Luke with a Council of Ghosts, perhaps? Uh, interesting question, Dane. Um, I'll start by saying if you can go back to my spotlight, Star Wars talking about uh, the ghost of Kenobi, and I'm really interested in it, and I totally accept the idea that the ghost, the Force Ghost of Kenobi, could somehow appear in Episode Eight because it's no longer canon, Joseph, that the ghost of Obi-Wan fades away as That's it does right. in the Zahn trilogies. I'm okay with it if it makes sense. A Council of Ghosts, Dane, doesn't make sense to me, Yeah, um, but maybe they present it. I don't think you're going to have... Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Yoda hanging around with Ghost Luke at any point, and I don't know if I want that, but if it makes sense, I'm good with it, and I like it almost better than maybe relying heavily on flashbacks. Yeah. Here, I think, is what I would like. I feel like the ghosts are this great, tricky problem, because Mm -hmm. that is the victory of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Yoda that, through uh, peaceful means, they discover how to maintain their essence within the Force, and I don't want that taken away. Right. I don't want them to fade away. and can, they, It's weird to me to say, I have figured out how to maintain my identity within the Force, but only for about five years. <laughs> it turns them into, like, they become Force ghosts and suddenly, like, well, no, we, there's, there's a limit. It's like, you know, a used car. It's, gonna, it's good for five years. Uh, so I think a cool narrative patch would be that Luke is powerful enough that he can shut them out. Interesting. And that he can choose when he speaks to them. And as we learn more about why did Luke run... Why did he run specifically to this first Jedi temple? Is there yeah. something there he needs? And that maybe he's trying to keep his own counsel. And if he wants to open his mind and say, Yoda, you got anything? Then he can hear from Yoda. Obi-Wan, I'll hear from you now. Don't even want to talk to you, Dad. You, yeah. Not you. Uh, I would love if, without being too pedantic about it, they introduced a little bit of rules to the Force ghosts. Okay. And that's the, that's the best one I can think of that so, Luke gets to decide. The midi-chlorians of Force Ghost uh, use, right? Yes. Uh, I would love if Episode Eight opens on the top of that mountain. We got Ray handing the lightsaber. Luke finally reaches off, and his first line of dialogue is he kind of turns, looks off camera, and goes, Yoda, did you bring her? And Yoda's just <laughs> sitting there in ghost form. Qui-Gon's got some drink that he's learning to, you know, as he ghost sits on a rock. <laughs> that might work. Um Thanks for the question, Dane. Good question. Uh, Tom T at Thu underscore Stain uh, says, uh, I fear episode eight could be exposition heavy based on all the unanswered questions of The Force Awakens. He says, is this irrational? No, I don't think it's irrational. I, I think it is a very valid concern, but I don't think it is actually going to be a problem. I think Ryan Johnson is too good of a filmmaker. I think he will be elegant about giving us little half answers for things that we need. Right. But for me, like, the more I think about it, I do, I do think that might mean that some of the mysteries have more simple and elegant solutions. So it's not Flashback City, and it's not mm-hmm. Exposition City. Um, and that's, like, one thing. It's, if, if Ray is Luke's daughter, that's great, because uh, it introduces more characters. But it also introduces... Well, you see, I met a lady, <laughs> you know, and uh, it, in, it introduces the potential for more flashbacks. Yeah. But I just think Ryan Johnson is too good of a, a filmmaker. I think he'll handle it well. Yeah, there's not going to be a Rick O'Lee in this one, I don't think. There, nope. There's going to be a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think I also don't, don't feel that all the questions need to be answered now. Nope. I've heard some stuff that maybe, maybe Ray's lineage is not answered in eight. I don't need it to be answered Yeah. Yet. Uh, nine could be totally fine. Let's carry this out. Uh, I'm good with that. Uh, yeah, but there's still, yeah, yeah, you're right, Tom. There's a lot. I still want to know how we got to this point 
with the resistance not being a mainstream entity in Princess Land the Outset. I know that's coming in some of the books, but yep, Bloodlines by Claudia not, Gray. Not yeah. everyone reads those. Yeah. So that's gotta be addressed in some way. Um and I wonder if The Force Awakens, I think The Force Awakens did a great job in setting up a kind of a normal story that you could enjoy as a fan who hadn't read the books, but there was a lot for us to pick up who did, but um, eight will have to strike that balance. Um, but I don't think it will be exposition heavy. I just don't think Ryan Johnson is, uh, is, would be interested in doing that. Yeah, I think uh, The Force Awakens did a great job of making the exposition tell us just blatantly what we needed to know. Like, one of the students betrayed him, and, uh, and he was destroyed. And right. he blamed himself, and he left. And that both tells you exactly what you need to know for the plot, but then also makes you imagine. Right. And I think we're going to get a lot more of that kind of half-answer stuff. Half-answers. Everything is true for the certain point of view. <laughs> uh, a couple more questions here that I want to move on to finish the fan fiction here, Joseph. But uh, Patrick King asks us kind of a format question. Okay. Um, and he goes, I know it's from Jedi Alliance, which is the show I co-founded with Maude Garrett. And uh, you, Joseph, spent a lot of time on over there at Popcorn Talk. Uh, he says, I know it's from Jedi Alliance, but will you ever do Cantina Confessions here, which was a segment that I had created in which I asked our guests and, and panelists to confess some really, really embarrassing portion of their Star Wars fandom. Uh, officially, uh, I don't know if we, you and I have an answer for that, Joseph. Uh, quite frankly, there's some, there's always ownership issues in yeah. this business. This is a business we're in, um, but we are definitely adding segments to Force Center, and I would like to see some version of that come over here. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I think it was one of the most successful segments uh, of Jedi Alliance, especially uh, when you were so ably uh, steering the ship. And uh, it, uh, I like anything that can elicit a funny answer or a deeply moving answer. Yeah, and it would do both sometimes. It really would, yeah. It would do both sometimes. Uh, I want to get one more question here, and uh, we'll uh, move on here. But I'm, I'm trying to, because I'm doing this on the fly a little bit, trying to uh, uh, go into... Um, Oh, there's a couple of good questions here. Uh, let's let's see if we can get these both here right. quickly. Tristan Shields uh, at Grand Moff Shields, uh, Grand Moff Shields tweets in with the episode. Will will the episode seven being a New Hope remake argument ever die? I mean, a New Hope wasn't the first hero's journey. <laughs> uh, Joseph, you got some thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it will quiet down and be replaced by whatever makes people mad about uh, episode <laughs> eight. Uh, we were talking last week about... Eight was too different! I think eight's going to be accused of being too different. If it doesn't have enough yeah. callbacks to Empire Strikes Back, uh, I think we will suddenly hear the other side of the argument. I mean, we've already basically been through this cycle of yeah. the prequels didn't feel enough like Star Wars. Now The Force Awakens is too much exactly like A New Hope. Right. And I think just like our heroes are going to keep trying to find the balance yeah. in the Force and go through cycle after cycle of war... I, yep. think, uh, I think this argument will die down when other people get mad about the new movie. But eight, uh, all my life's a circle, sunrise and sundown. Uh, <laughs> new hope to the new ones. Um, yeah, you know, Tristan, it's a great question. I, I, I think it's already dying down a little bit. I got why even I initially, I can't deny that I was like another Death Star. Um, but I think it was our friend Bill Shakespeare himself who said there's only seven stories in the world. Uh, heroes' journeys are... Pretty simple by nature. Yeah. 
And I'm not saying it's paint by numbers, but you to have them and make those epics effectively, you have to have those. It's all about the execution. It's why a movie like uh, Gods of Egypt looks horrible, but Lord of the Rings, which is something similar, looks and is great. Right. It's all about the execution, the writing, the performances, the acting. And, and uh, you're right, Tristan. This is not the first time, and New Hope wasn't the first time that we had the hero's journey, but it was definitely the first on that scale. Yeah. Um, so I get it, and I get the comparison. Of seven, I get it. I don't agree with them because I think the execution of that hero's journey, the hero most likely being Ray, uh, the one, uh, those, those other main characters, but I think the execution of that story was so entertaining uh, that it definitely, to me, was not a carbon copy of A New Hope. Yeah, I think there's also the issue of do you choose to judge a film based on what the film is trying to do? And this was not yes. a mistake. It wasn't like, we can't think of anything else, so let's do A right. New Hope again. Yeah, uh, They were very well aware of what they were doing, and I think they made that choice. They did it well, so I judge it based on what do the filmmakers intend. Right. Um, so Dan at the Butcher OFMTL asks us, Joseph, possibility of Luke controlled Ray's abilities, kind of like Force Battle Meditation. This is in the final lightsaber battle in The Force Awakens when Ray uh, seemed to, with little training or little experience, bested a uh, well-trained, up-and-coming Sith apprentice. Uh, well, if I can call him that. Um, yeah. Kylo Ren. Um, for me, I uh, fair question, Dan. You're not the first to ask it. I absolutely don't think that that was the case. No, I don't I don't think so either. I think it takes a lot away from Ray. Uh, I, 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 we've talked on this mm. podcast. I've written a blog post about it. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that's the ultimate thing in the 21st century. When you feel so, strong about something, <laughs> and you say, I've written a blog post. I've that, blogged about I, it. I blogged about this. Uh, so I feel like uh, Ray's story is that she, much like Luke and Anakin, is mm. crazy strong in the Force bunch of mitigating circumstances, bunch of little moments and beats in The Force Awakens that supports all of the actions that uh, she takes, in my opinion. So uh, I like so I like her taking care of the, this herself. And I also, I'm enjoying right now wondering how aware Luke is or is not about events. Yeah. And again, going back to whether or not he can shut out Force ghosts, how much he's choosing to reach out in the Force and yeah. be aware of things. Or if he's truly meditating and just like, hey, I'm, I'm alone, way out here by myself, and that's what I want. Yeah. I think the idea that uh, Luke controlled her, uh, like you said, just takes away a lot from that moment and that character and what it meant to have a successful, um, you know, strong female character at the time. Let's be blunt about it. Like, yeah. You, you made the joke off camera, so uh, I'll get, let you say it yourself. Why we wouldn't, why won't we, why wouldn't we like Luke doing that? Well, because it is the, the first, one of the first incredibly exciting female heroes and uh, she's secretly being actually controlled by an old white man is just <laughs> on the nose. Uh, and I don't, I certainly don't think that was intended no. by the question. It's a logical question within Star Wars yes. canon and especially in this great time right now where we get to imagine how powerful Luke may or may not be, but in terms of just breaking down the truth of the story and how it reflects into our modern world, it's an old white man controlling (laughs) a young girl and giving her power. Yeah, I think she's discovering her powers on her own. Yeah. Um, So you guys out there, those are some great questions, and there are more coming in as we're recording. We're going to have to uh, move those to another episode, Uh, but before we go, we always like to do, uh, now we'd like to do, it's one of our new segments called Finish the Fan Fiction. Mr. Joseph Scrimshaw, take it away. So when we play Finish the Fan Fiction, I read a couple sentences of a little Star Wars story, and then uh, if it's can, if we got guests, then they, they try to finish it 
off and see what they come up with. Uh, and then we'll be posting these on our Facebook page for Force Center. So you guys can put in the comments how you would finish this story. Uh, and once we collect enough, we'll start to read some of our favorites on the air. So this is today's fan fiction, Ken. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan sat in his hut, communing with the living force. He was trying hard not to get angry. Just as he was starting to calm down, Yoda's voice popped into his mind and said, To the cantina you may go. For long on this planet will you be. Refreshment and entertainment is not forbid. And from there, Obi-Wan realized (laughs) that though he would be in this hut and on this planet, and his noble journey and his noble task was to guard perhaps the future of the Jedi and the true one of the force, the one, the chosen one. Obi-Wan knew he would have a lot of downtime and his apprehensions and fears and disappointment and dismay of being sent to a far hut to do nothing for years were not all true. He could go to town. He could throw back a drink and Yoda would understand, and more importantly, the Force would understand. <laughs> Excellent. I, I'm, I'm applauding. I'm applauding. That was very, very good. That was like uh, Obi-Wan's night out. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I want from a Ewan McGregor standalone Obi-Wan movie. Yep. I just want him talking to Yoda in his mind about whether or not it's okay for him to drink. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. And we will put that, uh, that question up on our Facebook page. Absolutely. Uh, this has been a, another edition of Force Center, the super star destroyer of our fleet of Star Wars discussions here on the Force Center podcast feed. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod, on Facebook. We Facebook, we do have a, a, a page. We need to get one on Friendster. Um, we uh, <laughs> can also uh, be found on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and review. You hear people say that all the time for a reason. It's important for the show's life uh, and, and life force to have those reviews and ratings on iTunes, so please do that. We're on Podomatic as well and the great services they've got there. They have an app. Download the app. You can listen to us on your phone. We're also on Stitcher now. Uh, Force Center, uh, we love doing this, Joseph. It is a labor of love. Uh, we will probably be up tonight ourselves alone going why do i care so much about <laughs> neen num's origins uh but joseph thanks again as always for uh, piloting the ship alongside me and uh, tell them uh, about you where to find you and your upcoming adventures you can find me on all the social medias is at joseph scrimshaw my website is josephscrimshaw.com i've always got live shows coming up i go to a lot of conventions and i do a lot of stand-up here in los angeles so please uh, come out to those shows i also have a podcast called obsessed where i talk to people about things that they love like a lot. I talked to Ken about his self-loathing. I recently yes. talked to Mike Black about his action figure collecting addiction, uh, and it's great fun. So uh, please check that out. You can find it on my website, uh, and it's also on feralaudio.com. Outstanding. You can follow me at Ken Napsock across the board. We've got a lot of shows here in Force Center. Check them all out. Databank Brawl, The Jedi Beat, Spotlight, Star Wars, more to come. You guys make this happen. We appreciate it your interaction, your fandom, and support. So until next time, let's go on down to the bar and enjoy a drink with Ghost Yoda.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.